Welcome to Healing with Worth, a podcast dedicated to healthy recovery and instilling hope in the wake of betrayal trauma. We are women who have experienced this intimately and want to offer hope to other women. While we may interview professionals on the show, the content should not be taken as therapeutic advice and is not meant to replace therapeutic healing. If you would like to join one of our free online worth groups to help with your betrayal trauma, you may find us at healingwithworth.org. Hello, and welcome again to Healing with Worth. Today, we're going to finish up the last episode that we kind of ended off with anger and continue through the rest of the stages of grief. But uh, first, I wanted to go back because... um, we're going to start, we're going to start with first finishing up anger, because I think, Sherilyn, you had an experience to share in regards to anger. So um, why don't you go ahead and share that first, and then we'll continue through bargaining, depression, acceptance, and then finally finding meaning. So Sherilyn. Yeah, one story I have, of, I think my most memorable angry experience was I just, we were standing in the driveway, and he just finally admitted that he was seeing this other lady. And I had to go pick up my little girl from preschool or something like that. And so I got into the truck, I backed up and he was walking by the garbage can and back to the doorway. And I literally was so angry that I had this this thought that just run him over. I was so (laughs) mad. I was like, just hit him with the car, you know? (laughs) And so um, I ran over the trash can instead, you know, and it was a, a big scare for him, you know, but it was like, I was I was so angry, you know, and then I kind of realized at that moment, I was like, wow, it's a little out of control, <laughs> but you know, it was like, that was my most, my most thing that my most memory that stuck in my mind of, I was just livid, you know, it was like he finally admitted it. And then I literally wanted to run him over with the car. <laughs> and it was it, was it, were you angry about him admitting it or were you angry because he had lied about it so many times? Well, I, I mean, all of those things, I can just, the shock, you know, finally, the reality that he finally admitted it, he'd been in denial, you know, so this, all this stuff just, you know, finally was just right there. And I just, my natural reaction was hit him. But it wasn't, was it a surprise to you? Yeah, because, I mean, there were little inklings, but, you know, you would, you would ask him about it and he wouldn't give you the full story, you know, and so the final just the, he really, it came out of his mouth, you know, it was like, just that it finally like was verbalized, verbalized. for the first time. <laughs> and also I just felt like this clarity, you know, so I didn't yeah. have to do the gaslighting and the, I think this is happening, but I'm not sure. Cause he says it's not, but it, but looks real, you know, and like blah, 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 you know, so. The truth has come out yeah. into the light. Yeah. I think my anger responses came out in dreams because I had a lot of dreams where I beat the crap out of him. (laughs) Like my anger was manifest in my dreams, I suppose. (laughs) Then I'd wake up feeling even more angry because what he did in my dreams was worse than what he did in real life. And, and I just, I just ripped into him, (laughs) but never in real life. (laughs) Well, I think it's really common for women to experience great amounts of anger and that's why it's important for us to to understand that there's a lot of pain underneath that anger. And Maurice teaches a lot about handling the anger with dignity and teaching us tools that will help us be able to manage the anger 
not not suppress it, but to to manage it in a more healthy way and to express it in a more healthy way. So that's one thing I've really appreciated about recovery work. So then bargaining, bargaining stage. We will do anything not to feel the pain of the loss. We want our lives to return to what it used to be so we don't have to face the fear of the unknown. Oh, I think I'm still a little bit in bargaining stage, but I I think I'm moving out of it. But there are some days when I think, what? I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to get stuck here. But at the same time, I'm just, so the bargaining stage, what are some of the things you bargained away in this recovery process? This is kind of a, no, I did it, but it, it feels like something that maybe, maybe I'm not aware of what it really means, but it didn't, I didn't feel like I was in that stage. I don't know. That's kind of my first, you know, like, and I didn't have a lot of clarity. So maybe I was bargaining and I was, didn't realize it, but just the word doesn't resonate with me for some reason. So what, I don't know. So some of the phrases that you might tell yourself are, if I just do this, then he will do that. If I just explain to him things, you know, how this is affecting me, he'll understand, he'll want to change. What if I did this? If I had only done that, if I were fill in the blank enough, you know, he wouldn't have this problem. Those, those type of statements, I think, come in the bargaining stage or, or, you know, we want our life to return to kind of what it, it was before discovery, I guess. Mm -hmm. I think for me, it's hard because I didn't really have much of a before discovery because I found out pretty quickly and, and I can't even say that I remember much before I found out. I mean, it was, it was very, very shortly into the marriage that I found out. And so, but with that, with that new understanding or with those statements that you said, I certainly did have, you know, some of those things where, you know, maybe if I have sex this much, then he won't want to look at porn or, Maybe if I lose weight, you know, he won't want to look at porn, you know, and, and even, and, and I don't know if that, I'm not sure if that falls for me into bargaining or into obsession, because I feel like they kind of go together and like trying to fix the problem. So I relate with you, Sherilyn, and not really like, I don't know that it was so much bargaining as it was trying to prevent and obsess over his problem as it was trying to go back to something that I knew before because I didn't really know anything different from before. Does that make sense? Janine, your story is a little bit different in that you found out years later. So maybe, maybe you can relate more to this bargaining stage. Whereas I, I feel like I've been in this from the beginning, you know, I've been in this understanding from the beginning. And so I, there wasn't really something for me to be like, I want to go back to my old life. Like there was no old life for me. Yeah, that's a, a good point. I think it probably does have a lot to do with it, actually. So yeah, I can be, I can relate to the what if, you know, like what if, and I think I uh, called on God, you know, a lot too, like, you know, like Rusty's traveling. And so I'd say, please, you know, you know, please do something so that he won't do X, Y, or Z, you know? And so I eventually learned and that the, and in a lot of ways, God did answer my prayer, you know, but I kind of uh, 
left that stage. So, you know, like trying to somehow my actions could change, you know, the fate of something, you know, but I do, you know, you know, if bargaining is what if statements or what were the other ones that you talked about, Janine? If I had just done blank, if I were only blank enough. Yeah. So I definitely, I definitely have a lot of those moments where basically taking responsibility, you know, for the, basically what I learned was I'm not the cause of this. And so therefore bargaining doesn't work because I, you know, I'm powerless to, you know, get it to go away. I mean, so yeah, that's just kind of my thought. That was one thing that I feel really helped me to know right away was this was not my fault. This, this had nothing to do with me. And that was really, really helpful to know and to understand. I do remember when you were talking to your Lynn, I do remember bargaining with God in the shock stage because his location was unknown. Like I didn't know he was in, in jail. And so I do remember thinking as God is, I will deal with anything as long as I know that he has not taken his life, you know, because that was such a concern for me. Like I didn't know where he was at. And I thought that maybe he had gotten to an emotional place where things were so low that he just felt like the need to take his life because it had happened to a family member who was, who was in addiction and he had, you know, the burden was so great that he took his life. And that was a real scary moment for me to think that he could be in a place like that, even though I didn't know where he was at. And I do remember bargaining, bargaining with God about that. You know, just let me know where he's at. Just at least, you know, I don't want him to, I just, you know, I wanted certain information and I, I just was bargaining with God for that information. Then let's talk about the next two depression stage after bargaining, if, if you experience this in any way, there's a lot of grief that sense, sets in, a realization that your life is not what you thought it was going to be. And it's a very appropriate response to the many, many losses of your primary attach, attachment. But it can be real heavy. It can feel really heavy and burdensome and really lonely because this is uh, such a, it feels like such a lonely road when you're, when you're first starting out because you feel isolated from, I felt very isolated from all my loved ones and my support network that was not there. And it takes a lot of energy to kind of deal with the, all the losses. So I know that you were experiencing a great deal of, of depression so much so that you or considering that that your life wasn't worth living anymore. And that's that can be a common place to feel when you're when you're experiencing this. Yeah, and it was so late into my journey that it just felt it was never gonna end. You know, it's like and if I projected, you know, I've looked I've looked back and said I've been dealing with this for so long and if I project going forward, why do I wanna continue? Right. You know? So that depression was really there and it's like, it was real, really, really heavy. And, and it's, it's, I think with the bargaining, you're trying, you try to do something, but it doesn't work. 
And so that's where this, you know, this grief settles in because it's like, I've done everything I can, even though it was wrong or right. And then it's, you're still not out of the woods. You're still not getting results. You're still angry, obsessive, you know, and it just like, it never going to end. So that's like, we are in, in storytelling, you call that the, the dark night of the soul. I feel like that's the dark night of the soul where it's like, you've been traveling so far on this journey. You don't realize you're almost to the end, but you have this moment of complete darkness and you just want to give up. And that's what I felt like the dark night of the soul. That was my dark night. And then eventually you, you come out of it and you accept it. And, you know, so, yeah. Anything you want to add? Well, I, when I, when I think about it, I think about just before I sought my own recovery and, and I see that life, you know, life can feel heavy and lonely. Motivation to move forward takes every ounce of energy. And, and it really did. I mean, once, once I stepped on the path to recovering myself, it got so heavy and so hard, like to the point where you almost wanted to just give up and go back to what life was, you know, go back into the denial because it was so much easier to, to live in denial than it was to, to fight your way out of the pain and the anger and the hardship that was your relationship. So for me, it was, it was that initial taking that initial step forward into recovery was so hard because there was so much pushback from my husband. There was so much heavy emotion and, and I, it was just chaos. My life was just chaos and it was so exhausting. And, and even my first year of my first year of recovery, I, I just didn't do anything. I, I was doing, I, I had my own business that I was, you know, my home, like one of those at home business things I was doing. And when I started recovery, I just had, I, and I moved and I just stopped my business completely. I didn't have the one ounce of energy to put into that business because everything, it took everything in me to keep moving forward in my recovery and fighting for my recovery and for my family more than fighting for my business to succeed. And so I just set it aside and I haven't gone back to it because it was, that was, you know, that was something that I had started as out of fear of being without, being without income. And I started, and, and then it became something that I could put all of my energy into and put all of my focus into, and I didn't have to worry or focus about my relationship. And so, so yeah, I, I, it takes so much energy to, to do recovery because there's so much pushback that can happen. Not, not always, but, but for me, there was a lot of change that I needed to make and it, and it did take a lot of energy. So, so that, that was a very heavy, a very heavy time for me. And there was a lot of, there were a lot of tears. There's just a lot of tears, period, <laughs> through all of yes. this. So acceptance, the stage where we come to grips on our reality, I think. It's not necessarily wishing that our life was back to the way it was, but just accepting that we must readjust and create a new future for ourselves. And 
that takes a lot of energy too, you know, but at least we're not living in this fantasy world <laughs> anymore. We're, we're living in it. But I think this gives us hope in something, yeah. in ourselves, really, that, you know, there's a lot of a lot of grieving that happens or has to happen, I think, before you get to this, this stage. So, yeah, I would say it took me almost two years <laughs> to get to this stage, two years of recovery work to, to be like, you know what, this is my life now. This is my new life. And, and it's much better than my old one. I think along the way, as I have learned to rely on my savior and his hand and his support in my life, um, centering myself with God has, has really helped me to come to this acceptance and, and this understanding that this is, this is my life. And I don't ever want to go back to the way it was before, but I'm going to keep moving forward in the path that I'm on because I know that the path that I'm on is a path that will bring me happiness and even though I still experience some of those grieving moments, you know, grieving the losses, I find a lot of peace and acceptance, a lot of peace in where I am in my journey and a lot of gratitude for my savior and for him helping me to get to this point. Hi, this is Life Coach Amy Woolsey and the instructor for Worth YSA for single women 18 and older. This program is first and foremost designed to empower and offer tools to become a healthy, independent woman. A few of my favorite things to teach in this course have been discussing the different levels of intimacy, how to manage our negative emotions, as well as learning when to bring up the topic of pornography with the guy you're dating, and then recognizing red flags of an unhealthy relationship. All this and so much more. Check out my YSA podcast here on Healing with Worth to learn even more. Register for your spot by going to the Worth webpage today. See you soon. I was going to say, I think with the acceptance, there's like a sigh of relief. Like you've made it through, you've made it through these really difficult times. And then when acceptance comes, there's not, I wouldn't say peace, but I would say. I think there is a level of Relief, I think, is the word I'm looking for, because the peace doesn't, hasn't, for me, peace comes when I find, after a while of relief, but it's like the hard, the emotion, the difficulty is finally over. And then it's just like, you know, like when you're sick, really sick, and then you kind of start feeling better, you're not quite better, but you're just not like throwing up and, you know, diarrhea and all that. It's like, that's finally over. And there's just relief, you know, it's like, ah, you know, it's like, I can see I'm back on track and I'm going to be healthy again. And that's what acceptance feels like for me. It's like just that relief, you know, so I guess that's just kind of my thought. And then eventually after you, you know, keep moving on the forward of the path of relief, you're, you start to dream again, hope comes back, you know, you, you know, and so I, that's just kind of what relief means. Acceptance means to, to me. So even find meaning after all of, all of this you've gone through after all the diarrhea <laughs> find meaning in all of that and that's when you know found purpose in your life and you're grateful for all those losses you have come to because your you know, real growth has occurred in this suffering and sickness that you've 
you know, you felt, I know, Cherilyn, you have, you have often shared of, of these, this experience as being something where you've found meaning in, in your life and has really propelled you into doing things that you probably wouldn't have experienced or would be doing without all the suffering that's come. Yeah, I feel like, you know, I'm sure I, everybody has those moments of finding that meaning, you know, so it's like, you know, my, you know, you know, it's like, I now know that somebody else cannot take my worth. Somebody's actions cannot take my worth. My worth is unchangeable, you know, so it's like, but I had to go through this grief process over and over and over the swirl downward, downward to really find that nugget and not just to, to find it intellectually, but to know it. You know what I mean? So it's like, so there's this, yeah, I do think that we do have, we do find these little nuggets of truth, you know, boundaries, you know, these are, you know, I'm a person, this, you know, over there's a person, but it takes all this shock and all this grief is just kind of realize that having boundaries is a good thing, you know, because before I didn't really know what boundaries were. And now I've practiced and now I have good boundaries, you know? So there's lots of meaning and purpose that can come into our lives if we just, when the time is right, you know? So when you're going through grief, you're not going to have the meaning, you know? So. And it's okay not to. Yeah. But just the hope that it will come, you know, I think that's the thing is it's a cycle. It will end. It's not an eternal racetrack, you know, where we just keep circling around and around. So. And, and I like that you pointed out the meaning isn't in the actual acts, right? So it's not, we're not finding meaning in our husband's addiction. We're finding meaning in what we've, what we've become through that trial. Kind of like, kind of like we're not, I don't find meaning in my parents' death, but I find, I find meaning in what I've become beyond those, the, that, that incident you know, and what I've learned from that incident. And if, I don't know, I think, I think that's kind of where like, it's not, it doesn't mean that we have to find meaning in our husband's addiction and those actions, but we find meaning in the boundaries that we learn and uh, the relationship that, that we're able to build with our savior or our higher power. And we find meaning in who we've become as a result of what we've had to go through. And, and that, that, I think that's where I find my meaning and, and even amidst finding meaning and being grateful for the, for the, the things, the growth that we've, that we've gone through. I just want to, to put this out. There's a reminder because for me, even though I have come through acceptance and I found meaning, I still go through cycles of grief. I still have moments when I am just depressed, you know, at the situation that, that, you know, that has come about and that, you know, there are still losses that I'm still grieving though. I, though I still have found meaning in who I am and who I've become through those, through those losses, the, the losses are still, are still there and there. And I still go through cycles of grief in those, you know, in that my, you know, my kids are still in a home where are, you know, we're separated and we don't have 
I don't have a, I don't have an attachment relationship right now, you know, so there, there's still, we can still find acceptance. We can still find meaning. We can, but we can also still grieve and go through these other stages. I still find myself getting angry too. I mean, you know, at, at some behaviors that are continue, you know, that continue. And so, like we talked about earlier, it's not a linear, you go through all these processes and then you're done. You can cycle back through them. And sometimes I can be angry one minute and then I can be grateful the next minute, finding meaning in that grief, you know, or that anger, you know? So I just, it's, it's not a clear cut ABC method, you know? It, it's something that's all over the place, like that box that I talked about in the beginning that we cycle through and we bounce around and certain things come up and it just, it's, it's something that grief is just a part of our life in all different aspects. I guess one thought to transition is I heard, I believe that grief is universal, but growth isn't. Because you, I've seen and witnessed people who get stuck in grief. So the reason why we need a community of people is because growth isn't universal. We have to learn. We have to be educated. We have to receive tools and this kind of stuff. And so this is the, the main reason why we need to reach out to a community because gr- grief is optional, you know. So it, the importance of of you know reaching out to a community community is they're going to provide grief education. You think of worth, you know, they provide grief education. They help, they help us with coping ideas and suggestions. There's peer support. They provide a space with their, you know, mentoring and that kind of stuff. They provide us with tools. You know, I like to find communities where you can vent without fear of gossip or judgment. You know, sometimes you just need someone to listen to what you're saying without, you know, judgment or gossip. You know, they can help, you know, Worth helps you sort through your experiences. You know, we talked about mental health issues. They talk, you know, there's PTSD, you know, all these abuse, all this kind of stuff. They provide, you know, classes on health, dietary issues, you know, so these are all, these are all kind of the the support that we need to work through this process. And then, you know, obviously they're going to help us, you know, learn, you know, learn about these processes and how to, how to get out of it. So, you know, really look look for a community of people who can help support you through this process so that you can get these tools and this support so that because growth is optional. So that that's the whole thing. You know, we, you can get stuck in, in, in grief. So you've got to choose to grow so that, and, and a community of people will help you do that. One thing I want to add to that as well is that for me, or I think for this issue in general, there's a lot of shame associated with it. And we're not able to wear the the black dress, so to speak, in this issue without uh, potentially a lot of judgment uh, towards us. And when people are actually grieving the death of a, a loved one, there's no shame in that. But there's a lot of shame associated with the connection that you have with a sexually addicted spouse. So that's why I feel like it's been really important for myself is, is because I can grieve in a community that understands my grief where 
grieving in another community may not offer me the same support and, and potentially could be damaging in some some respects if they don't understand you know what you're what you're going through. Yeah, I I agree. I feel like joining Worth was one of the most beneficial things for my recovery because it gave me a place to go and process what I was going through. I I did several other groups at the same time. I did S Life SA Lifeline, which is a 12-step support group. I had done a call in through the in Alaska there was not anything that that resembled a LDS family recovery group besides calling in and that wasn't helpful. I was the only one there. <laughs> so that wasn't helpful and then I did another type of 12-step group that was called Healing Through Christ. And and that was good because again it, it was it was kind of going through and it and it really brought in the gospel and I think for me that was that was a key a key thing. So having that having that connection to the gospel as well as having that connection to the people who were going through what I was going through was a big a big benefit to me because I could relate and our experiences could relate. And there was a lot of discussion beyond the meeting that allowed for connection, which I was lacking. And so those were, those were some things that I found particularly helpful is worth being able to go in to, to see other women, to talk with other women, to hear other women's experiences and to share your own experiences and to, as a, as a small group community, be able to discuss those things. And, and then beyond group, you know, we created, you know, those Marco Polo groups that, that just gave us that continued connection throughout the week, which I found that to be so beneficial for me to be able to, to be able to continue to process those things that I was going through and, and to have a place to go to process and have that trust and have that, have that community of women who knew and who could empathize with me in what I was experiencing. And, and I think that is, that's why um, loss and grief groups are, are, are out there. Right. So like there are groups for grieving and loss of a child and there's group for grieving a loss of a mother. And there are all these types of support groups out there. And 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 for this particular for this betrayal, trauma, you know, worth is that support group where you can go and you can grieve the loss of your relationships and the losses that you experience that other people can relate to those losses that you've experienced and you can discuss and and it's a very powerful and healing thing just to be able to process those losses and learn healthy coping strategies to be able to move beyond to be able to find acceptance find meaning and growth in this process and so those those are some of the ones that I'm familiar with in terms of resources that have helped me I know that there are so many more that are out there. Do you, do you know, I know Addo Recovery and Bloom for Women. Those are a couple more I don't have experience with, but I know a lot of women who've used those 
as well. Janine and Sherilyn, do you have any others that you can think of as far as resources that you found helpful? Well, books, you know, I think books, definitely podcasts, you know, I mean, there's, you know, retreats, all that kind of stuff. I don't have any specific ones, but I'm sure there are. So I I would say just, just keep looking. And I know that right now there's a wait list to get into worth. So if you're waiting to get into worth, keep searching out. Like Sherilyn said, there are a lot of books. If you go to healingwithworth.org, you can find the recommended reading list that there are some helpful books in there as well. And just, just keep searching. Don't give up. Don't give up hope. There are a lot of family support groups for family of addiction throughout the United States through, through the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that anybody can attend. So those groups exist. So Life Star is another one that, that I've, I've heard people go to, and they also do group therapy sessions as well. So there are a lot of, there are a lot of options out there. So don't stop looking, don't give up. Hope is there. Peace and relief can be found. And we just, hopefully this has been a helpful episode to give you encouragement and help you maybe to understand some of what you've gone through and maybe recognizing the stages of grief that you've experienced or are experiencing. And hopefully that will give you some give you some options and directions for areas to seek out that connection and community to help you move through some of those losses and, and to help you process those. So thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us this week on Healing with Worth. Make sure to visit our website, healingwithworth.org to enroll in a therapist-led support group or to check out our blog. If you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or wherever you may listen, or simply tell a friend about the show. Be sure to tune in next week for a new episode because you are worth it.